Well, that was a thing that happened. We are the Voltron After Show on AfterBuzz TV. We are looking at Season 7, Episodes 9 and 10. We are going to talk about what flavor of canon you like and dislike the most, just how hardy Voltron actually is, and whether or not the red line is as fickle as she seems. We'll see you after the opening, and team, it's time to form Voltron. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz For some reason, I'm seeing arrows, and I'm getting the urge to jump around. (laughs) This is one of those song choices that doesn't actually make sense. It's just kind of what I'm feeling right now. Sometimes you just gotta go with the flow, though. That's, That's exactly what we're doing, and that... These episodes, man, these episodes have been nuts. Can I just say at the top, like, I do not envy the writers that had to cover these two and the last two episodes because it's just so much happening. It's so much exposition to just insert into four episodes. It's crazy. You wrote eight episodes worth of script. Great. Fit it into four. What? (laughs) (laughs) And that's when you need music with about 160 BPM. Exactly. Yeah. Welcome back. We are the AfterBuzz TV Voltron Legendary Defender After Show. We are looking at Season 7, Episodes 9 and 10, Know Your Enemy and Heart of the Lion. Two of the... Heck of a plot twist, these episodes. With me tonight, I have Green Lion Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody! And I am Black Lion Katie Cullen. Um, Yeah, I don't really... I think everyone else has been captured. They, they, were, <laughs> they were going on this three-part mission, and then we lost track of them, and I just... Can I just say that it looks like we don't have a leg to stand on? Oh, my God. Uh, And that's how you know it's bad when I start making puns. When you're the one that started the but Thank you. Yep. What have I become? <laughs> you can follow our other assorted wonderful lions at ATORS890, Mark B. Donica, and Emma Fife. Before we get started, a little bit of housekeeping per usual. Uh, we have the hashtag ABTV Voltron. We have the live chat. We are keeping track of both of those. Uh, we're, get, we're just going to be talking about 9 and 10 because there are some people who are watching along with the after show. And as always, I salute your self-control, especially after these episodes. My gosh, you guys. And also keep the hashtag spoiler free, keep the comment spoiler free, keep the chat spoiler free until or unless we get to spoiler territory, at which place we will drop the spoiler warning and then it's open season. Uh, the one other thing, the new rule implemented for this season is essentially be kind or get out. I love that you do that every single time. It just makes me so happy. It's so nice having a soundboard on hand. It yeah, emphasize is. your point. Thank you, Steve. Steve is our Koran in the booth, and he's wonderful, and we adore him. Uh, yeah, everyone has opinions. Everyone is entitled to their opinions. Your reactions and your opinions are valid. I fully believe that you can express them in a respectful manner, and if you choose not to do so, we're banning you from the channel, and we will never see you again. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> We're going to hurl you into the vacuum of space. <laughs> and unlike Sendak, you will not return in three seasons. You will just be gone. <laughs> you won't be getting your own Wrath of Khan style sequel, sadly. We will turn the Xyforge ban cannon on you. And unlike Voltron, you will not walk away from it. <laughs> uh, yeah. But 
What did you think of these episodes? Uh, like like I said at the top of the show, I do not envy the 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 tall order that the writers had for this series of episodes because there is a lot to fit in. There are a lot of emotional beats. There's a lot story wise that's going on. You have to get in a lot of technical exposition. Um, there's a lot of sharing information. Like at one point, there's even a montage of just like we're interrogating a computer program, and so we have to sort of fade in and out. So I don't envy the writers that had to tackle these particular episodes. But honestly, yeah, I really dug the change of pace. And mm. we, we touched on it a bit last week about how mecha anime, this section of the the plot feels. And this one kind of doubled down on that. And like everybody's in garrison uniforms, including Allura. And it, it just made me really happy. It brought me back to like middle school days of watching Gundam Wing. Oh, yeah. And that I love the pacing for this, but it also makes it so much more difficult to talk about here because we can't just do here's an A story that we're going to cover. Here's a B story that we're going to cover. It's we have to talk about all of this and fit all of this in here and we can't cut back and forth we just gotta go from the beginning and so it shakes up our after show as well and it makes it (laughs) interesting i do enjoy it though yeah it it, like i said this is just it's been it's been a heck of a roller coaster ride and i know that some people probably feel like the pacing for this sort of section of the the season is a little off but like all things considered, I'm real. I really enjoyed the way everything was handled. And I mean, once it ramps up into that pacing, you get used to it pretty quickly. Yeah, and but I'll- it does the what I, what what I think of as the Escaflone effect because high school Katie made the mistake of marathoning the entirety of Escaflone in a night with her friends, and so we hit about episode eight, and I was so convinced that the series was almost done. Because there was so much packed into every single episode, and I kept asking what episode we were on to the point where my friend who owned the series thought that I hated it. I'm like, no, I don't hate it. I just, I can't keep track of everything. And so getting into this and watching this and going, all right, this is, we're only on episode eight? We've got five more episodes? Oh my god! Yeah, it's also weird, you know, having gone from a couple seasons where they were six and seven episodes in length to uh, thirteen episodes in length again. Like it, it did, so it does trip you up a little bit because you're like, wait, the season should be wrapping up. What's happening? <laughs> and what we have here is a lot of setup for what is going to be the climax of the the huge climactic final battle for Earth. And, like, we're getting a lot of that set up and a lot of that groundwork here. And what these episodes do really well is setting the stakes. Like, it's one thing to sort of get the garrison's point of view as, you know, the one military base that still stands a chance against the Galra. It's a completely different thing for our paladins to come home and see the devastation firsthand. Poor Platt City. Oh, <laughs> poor Platt City. And this, this, these episodes, for me, episode 10 especially, um, I keep referencing other media, but for those of you who have ever read or watched a particularly powerful performance of The Crucible, Ooh. you know you get to that point of because it is my name and I cannot have another. No. You, you hit like the last 20 minutes of that play and no matter how many times you've seen or read it, no matter the fact that you know how it ends, you're still sitting there going, maybe this time it'll be different. Maybe this time it'll be better. You know how it ends, but you're still on the edge of your seat and hoping. 
And man, if episode 10 doesn't pull that off with panache. That, I knew what was going to happen. I knew the betrayal was coming down the line. And I'm still like, boy, I hope they can destroy the cannons. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this whole season, but these two episodes in particular were done so well. Like, even though I knew what was coming, I was still like, boy, I hope. You know, it, it's funny that you say that you knew things were coming. I I actually was on the edge of my seat for the completely different reason. Like, I wasn't sure. Like, is the Red Lion going to show up? Like, I'm pretty sure she will. But, like, that they, they did a really good job of, like, you know, building up the tension so that you are, you're like, of course it'll come, of course it'll come. But, but will, will it? it? <laughs> and the Red Lion's always been the picky one. And same with General Sonda. Like, I I absolutely, you know, it, in hindsight, it makes total sense that she, out of everybody, would betray our team. But at the same time, I'm like, they do a really good job of pointing out that she's doing things from a very rational standpoint. People go out of their way in the show to go like, oh no, she's got a point. She's got a point. I agree with her on this point. I agree with her on this point. And it's just, you know, the fact that she was unwilling to compromise. <laughs> Despite the fact that there's all these people coming in saying, we have experience with the Galra. There's no negotiating with them. They will do so many murders. They will occasionally <laughs> do a genocide. <laughs> like... This, this is a thing, but yeah, all even, of the murders. <laughs> even on rewatch, there's still the suspense of will the red lion show up. There's still the oh god, this hurts to watch. Like even when you know what's coming, even when you've already seen the episode on rewatch, it still builds that tension just masterfully. Exactly, so incredibly well done. Mm -hmm. And that is a testament to good writing. And that's just our overall thoughts on the episode, you guys. <laughs> we still have to dig in here. <laughs> So let's do that. Let's talk about this return to Earth and all of these different introductions and moving pieces that we have to slot into place just in the first half of this first episode. I did enjoy the slew of introductions that we had. All of these characters meeting their families again. Pidge yes. just flying out of the car and hugging her mom. Like... That reunion, we've been waiting for that reunion since basically the first episode. Mm -hmm. or, well, not the first episode, but the second we found out about Pidge's backstory. Um, we, we, that's the reunion we've been waiting for, is for the whole family to be back together. And Matt's still out in space, presumably. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, I mean, we heard from him in the flashback episodes, but that was like a year ago. That was a while back. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it's so nice to see her reunited with her parents um, because her whole mission was to get her family back together and to hear that apology of like, I'm sorry I left without saying goodbye and everything like that. It was it was so emotional and touching to, to see this reunion, um, especially having met Colleen Holt now and like knowing exactly how much, you know, like mother, like daughter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, she gets the science. She gets some of the science smarts from dad and almost all of the spitfire from mom. Wow. Exactly. And meeting just Lance's family. Lance's family. I, I just I have to point out how beautiful the animation was. Just seeing him uh, fall to the ground and hug uh, his niece and nephew and then seeing the multitude to family members that immediately jumped into this giant hug. Just like this I was cinnamon like, boom, roll boom, boom, of boom, hugs, boom, 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 layer boom, boom, upon boom. layer upon layer. <laughs> and Veronica 
in there too. Oh, it was so nice. And speaking of sweet cinnamon rolls, poor hunk. Yes, that this was so bittersweet because as emotionally cathartic as it is to see Pidge and uh, and Lance reunite with their families, he's the odd man out here uh, because his family's not there. They're still out there, <laughs> and it almost would have been. I, I kind of appreciate that they did this, as heartbreaking as it was. And half of my notes when it comes to hunk scenes are just crying emoji. So uh, really great note taking strategy there, but. I appreciate that they did this because if everyone's families had been there, it almost would have been too easy. Yeah. Like, all right, everyone we love is safe. That's great. No, Hunk's family is still there. And it really heightens the conflict of, no, we can't just attack these bases. They have civilian workers. No, we can't go and try to do extraction missions. They're too costly and too dangerous. So we get to see the emotional investment side of this battle as well as the hardline strategic side of this battle. And they balance it very, very well. 100% agree. Um, and what I love about this, too, is that, you know, as all these reunions are going on, there are three paladins who don't have family there to meet with them. Uh, Keith's family is, you know... Half dead and half in space. <laughs> half in space. Shiro doesn't have anyone to come home to, and we'll, we'll touch on that. Um, but the... And then, and then yeah, Hunk is here, and he has a big, loving family, and they're gone. But because Keith knows what it's like to lose a family, you know, it, this was so wonderful because it was something that they could connect emotionally on. And after that episode... Uh, where they were lost in space together and Keith called him a coward. Uh, it was really great getting them this moment between the two of them where, he, you know, Keith is able to see, no, you know, it's not the absence of fear that defines courage. It's acting in spite of it. And I, I wrote that quote down. Exactly. <laughs> I just, I straight up wrote it. I, I went and I paused it and I kept rewinding it so I could make sure it was accurate. That's That's when you know it's some good writing. Of all the paladins, you're the one I'm most impressed by. It's no secret that you've always been the most scared, but you've never backed down. Ever. And to be brave is to go on in spite of fear, and that's who you are. Yeah. Courage is being scared as hell, but saddling up anyway. <laughs> we'll always go back to, I feel like that's a Clint Eastwood quote. I'm not sure. I feel like it's John Wayne. I th Yeah, no, I think you're right. Yep. John Wayne. And there are spice cowboys. Um, but... I, I loved this because, yeah, if anybody's going to understand, you know, what Hunk is going through, it's going to be Keith. And I, yeah. I love that they can connect in this moment. And we don't really get a lot of interactions one-on-one -on -one between Hunk and Keith. That ju It's just not something that ever really shows up in the show. <laughs> Our engineer, Steve, is indeed, he looked it up. And, yeah, courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway, John Wayne. And if it's on the internet, you know it's true. <laughs> really trust quotes put over images anymore yeah. ever since that whole taylor swift thing you remember that it's it's just you know always misattribution misattribution of quotes always check snopes exactly <laughs> always check snopes um but yeah so this this was great um seeing the two of them get to interact off of each other and what i also really like about it is how emotionally conflicted hunk is and that's not something that a lot of children's shows really dwell on is 
the emotional complication of it. Yeah. Uh, being emotionally conflicted, you know, characters are often black and white, you know, to, to make things simpler and easier to digest for kids. But this is a huge con- set of conflicting emotions for Hunk because he's so happy for his friends. But at the same time, it makes his heartbreak all the more impactful because it, there's a little bit of jealousy in there too because he's like he's like I I want my family to be safe too you know and so there's this mixture of positive and negative emotions there because it's like I'm happy for them but why couldn't it be my family too yeah their happiness and relief only highlight what he's missing exactly and exactly. that just makes it hurt so much more and I, I love that we have these little these just little bits of flashback to kind of flesh out his family just you know playing with the kids and talking about going to the garrison. Uh, working on the car with his dad and baking with his mom and presumably either sister or aunt. I'm not sure which. But I, I just keep tying this back to, I want to say it was like episode two. When we go into everyone's mind and, you know, you have to... Yes! Yes! And he's thinking about food and people are like, oh, it's a food junk. It's <laughs> a food <laughs> junk. <laughs> because it's he's the big one that likes to eat. No, he cooks with his family and then oh I hate waiting waiting is the best part it's the time we get to spend together so food for him isn't just oh we're making food it's this is an act of love I do this with my family I cook for you guys because I love you like that is his language of love yeah it it recontextualizes every scene in which we've seen him talk about food and in which we've seen him cook it you know just Everything it completely uh, adds a new layer to all of those one-on-one moments. This is why all of, I'm almost <laughs> crying right now. Like this is why all of my notes are just little crying faces because oh my god! And I in, need to call my mom. <laughs> and in one episode, uh, we're all, oh, you're actually yeah, crying a little bit. Oh yeah. dear, <laughs> it's okay. And in in one episode. We have added so much more depth to Hunk as a character. Like, we always knew it was there. But just these three little flashbacks are like, oh, oh, that changes so much. Well, and it gives, um, you know, especially the last couple episodes that we, uh, the the episodes in space um, where we were with our paladins, too. I feel like this season in particular has given Tyler, as just an actor, so much more you know, room to play around with his range because he's a very talented actor. And, you know, for the most part, he's the the lighthearted, lovable guy. But getting to sink to the different depths of emotion that he's gotten to play with in these in these in this entire arc is so cool and so fulfilling to see as just like somebody who's a fan of his acting. It's always it's so great. Ugh. And I we, we just keep going back and talking about the writing on the show, but that's why I adore this so much. Like, even if we don't get everyone's character backstories front-loaded, even if we don't get to know everyone right away, even our minor characters, even the characters who would usually be like, oh, you know, they're the one-off joke character and they always do this, everyone has depth. No one is wasted. And I want to say that Coran is the biggest example of this because we keep adding depth to him even in the comedy episodes or especially in the comedy episodes and it just keeps coming back around. Yeah, he's our funny alien guy. He's also an incredibly intelligent engineer who knows the Saltean technology inside and out and is a huge becomes a huge part of this resistance movement on Earth. He doesn't have very much screen time at all, but you still sit there and go, oh yeah, 
No, Quran is absolutely doing things. Yeah. And it's we get that for everyone. It's not just the Black Paladin show featuring a few other people. It's everyone. <laughs> it's an ensemble cast. Exactly. Um, I I feel like when it comes to animated shows that are generally more for, for families or for children, like, I haven't felt like these kind of emotional stakes since Transformers Prime. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> and if any of y'all know anything about the two of us, that is saying a lot. Yeah. Because <laughs> Transformers Prime is kind of our gold standard for children's media focusing on war. Yep. Pretty much. And now so, we have another gold standard. We've got two. <laughs> um, I need a moment to contemplate that. <laughs> uh, talking about, um, uh, although talking about loss, I know that we we want to be a little bit delicate when talking about this, yep. but I feel like we should. It, it's important to address. Um, Adam. Adam. And uh, first of all, even though it's not a moment that's dwelled upon for very long, I want to just say that Josh gives like a hundred and ten percent in that one line of "Oh, I'm Adam. I'm, I'm sorry. So sorry. Yeah, freaking a Josh, <laughs> rip out my heart. Why don't you? It's like all right again. Yeah, <laughs> like keep a tally. Yeah. That For those of you who have been asking for a Voltron drinking game for this season, yeah, every time Josh Keaton's performance just rips your heart out and stomps on it. <laughs> I think we'd all be dead of alcohol poisoning. <laughs> Probably. Well done. <laughs> but I feel like it is important to address, just like we addressed last week, um, the fact that part of the big controversy about this season uh, in and a lot of the critique is that the moment where Shiro, uh, you know, mourns Adam is not a moment that's dwelled upon for very often. Um, It feels very... A lot of people feel like it's very glossed over and that it's not given the proper emotional weight that it should be. Uh, Like I said, Josh Keaton gives 110% in that one line. Um, I would disagree with that assessment, honestly. Just... Just because of the context of the show and where we are now, and for one, we've talked about how much they fit into these two episodes, and for another, we are in the middle of a war with a very short time frame, as they're finding out. They have limited resources. Their Sendak is building something on the planet, <laughs> and we need to figure out what it is. Like They don't have time for anyone to fall apart. And we get this writ large with Hunk. And the whole, you know, your family is important, but we have this entire war. We can't sacrifice 10 people to save 12, et cetera, et cetera. And we get this in a concentrated form with Shiro, who knows the stakes, who is going to become. I'm losing my sentences here, but he he knows that he can't afford to stop here. The resistance can't afford to lose him. He needs to step up and perform. And that's not the first time that he's had to do that in the arena as a prisoner, as the black, as the black paladin, as part of Team Voltron in any role. And so the fact that, again, he gives 110 percent for that and then has to go off to a briefing, that's just kind of what war is sometimes. And it speaks to Shiro's character that he has that depth of emotion, that he's able to feel that and that he's also able to pick up and move on. I would not be surprised if we revisit that later, maybe in another season. But if we don't, it's still there. Just because it wasn't a long, drawn-out moment doesn't mean it didn't happen. The I 
I I completely understand why some people are upset by it or why Absolutely. they feel like it's not given the proper emotional weight. Um, but I tend to agree with you that it actually is 100% in line with Shiro's character to, uh, uh, <laughs> first of all, to take a moment, uh, but, but second of all, to have to sort of put his emotions on, like, have to set them aside in order to accomplish the mission, in order to be there for the rest of his team. We've been seeing that this entire series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know we in the early seasons we would make jokes about him having PTSD, but the fact of the matter is he, he has PTSD. Does. <laughs> it like compartmentalizing his emotions and his trauma is sadly kind of second nature to him as a character at this point. And that's... Routine keeps you going. It really does. It's it's heartbreaking that this is the only moment he he gets to allow himself to mourn. And I think that's more of the tragedy of the situation, is that he doesn't have time to like allow himself to have that breakdown. And yeah, we might revisit it at some point next season. But another thing to kind of keep in mind, too, as he's looking at the memorial for Adam, there's a, sh- a a longer shot, and the wall is just covered. It looks like the Vietnam memorial. It's it, very similar to a lot of modern war memorials that we have. And the fact of the matter is, is that, like, this is a show, even though the show isn't dwelling on the deaths that happen, it's not pretending like a lot of people haven't died oh, yeah. over the course of this entire invasion. So, again, I, I understand, but I also understand it from the character's perspective as well. And if anybody wants to disagree, of course, you are more than welcome to disagree. Those That's just our two cents. I just want to see your postseason fix where we expound on those moments. Like, I'm not actually kidding. Send me your fan fiction. Please do. <laughs> People write really good stuff. I'm Please like, well, do. This, this is what fandom is for. Expounding on these moments, doing these hidden moments, being able to discuss this sort of thing. Like, you can have a really good fandom experience if you're able to discuss your opinions and be respectful of other people. Like, that's... That's the good side of things, and I highly encourage that. Exactly. And I mean, I've written enough fic in my day. I mean, (laughs) who hasn't? (laughs) But yes, I I fully support your creative endeavors. Go forth, have fun. Send us your fanfic, and we'll just, you know, have a glass of wine and a box of tissues, and we'll just cry. (laughs) Give me that hurt comfort. Break my heart. I live for it. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Our inboxes are going to be just inundated. Yes. (laughs) We should probably get back to this. Um, The flip side of this episode is a recon mission. Yes. We need to figure out what is going on in these installations that Sendak has built all over the place. And, well, no, I'm moving on to the next episode before that. Um, This particular recon mission is where is Hunk's family and can we go find them? And I love that lawful good James Griffin was like, what do you think you're doing? I'm going with you. (laughs) Thanks, Hermione. (laughs) You could be killed or worse, expelled. (laughs) Can I just say that it's so weird hearing AJ's voice going, I'm not going to let, you know, the Earth's best hope for for freedom against the Galrug, you know, get themselves killed. I'm going with you. I'm going to help you, Voltron. (laughs) And I actually mean it this time. (laughs) 
it's so weird to hear that without following it up with uh, curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Yeah. That went to a different character this time around. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, we basically found out that, yeah, they're definitely working on something and they've moved the work camps inside the enclosures. So this rescue mission cannot be a rescue mission. Sorry, hunk. Can I just also say, just kind of touching on Griffin as a character, um, you can tell there's a little bit of resentment uh, because Keith, you know, all these troublemakers who, who, basically went AWOL, come back, and they're now, like, Earth's best hope at survival. Keith, of all people, you know, gets uh, gets a grand, you know... Uh, <laughs> a, a An grand apology help. from yeah, Iverson. Exactly. And, um, and, you know, this was so interesting. Um, and, and during the briefing, uh, he has that little outburst about, like, hey, do you guys not understand protocol? Like, do you think you're above orders and things like that? Lawful good, James Griffin. Uh, but you can tell there's a little bit of resentment there because he's done everything he's supposed to do. And the jerkwads who took off and caused trouble are now the defenders of the galaxy, the defenders of the universe. Like... I don't know about you. I'd be pretty ticked. <laughs> I do all my homework. I show up for practice. You know, you you put in all the hard work, and the people who, in your eyes, sort of slack off, ascend to greatness. And so it's just so funny to see that little bit of animosity, but at the same time, he's good enough to, like, put his ego in check to be like, oh, no, if you guys are going on that mission, I'm coming with you, because there's no way I'm letting anything happened to you because you are Earth's best hope. This whole episode was about putting aside personal feelings for, and I hate to use this phrase, the greater good. The greater good. And that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Man, it's almost like we practiced this. But it, it works for everyone, for Shiro, for Hunk, for Griffin. Like, all of this is, yes, we understand your emotional stake, but we also have to understand that there is something much bigger at stake here, and we need to work for that. And so that it's just, it's great to watch this same theme across multiple characters. And it's just, ugh. I keep going back to the writing on this show. So it's good. Amazing. It's so good. But before we swing into the next episode and uh, cover a lot of things very quickly, because that's a theme, we have an announcement for you guys. Hey, After Bros! Our network produces after shows for nearly all your favorite TV shows. From drama, reality TV, sci-fi, and more, there's no network that works harder to serve television fans. But we need your help. We're asking that you please subscribe to one or more of our YouTube channels. By subscribing to our channel, YouTube will suggest content that's tailor-made for you, and you'll help AfterBuzz continue to grow. And if you're worried about those pesky notifications, don't be, because they're optional. So hit that subscribe button for now, uh, for this channel, and check out our other AfterBuzz YouTube channels. Uh, Let us know that you did so in the comments, and we'll thank you on air. For now, thanks for being the best fans and for helping us be the ESPN of TV Talk. And speaking of shoutouts, want to give it to... To uh, Nivedita Tewari. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, but uh, they commented on last week's episode saying that they have subscribed to the channel. So there's your shout out. Thank you so much. And yes, this is the animation channel. We're on about what? A lot of it. 60% of the shows on this channel at (laughs) this point. Quite a bit. Yeah, quite a few. So definitely subscribe. And also, if you want to support this podcast, one of the best ways that you can do that is. Go to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, rate us five stars because we need five lines for Voltron and that's how this works. It can only be five stars or Sendak wins. 
and leave us a comment leave us a review tell us what you like tell us what you want to see that is the best way to support this show it helps get us out there it helps other people find the show and of course if you leave a review we give you a shout out on the show like these lovely folks i'm sister shook by cryptid sheath this podcast is the tea and if you're a vld fan and you don't want this, watch this you're not living and then uh <laughs> form voltron by science whiz pidge i love this so much hopefully i'll watch it live one day uh and then they gave a little bit of a theory that i'm not going to go into because of spoilers and because but, of time at this but, point but they also said i love watching your take on the show so thank you guys so so much i also want to give a quick shout out um, to everybody who commented last week, but in particular, Yami Bliss. Uh, he had a different take as a gay man um, based on what we were discussing last week regarding the Shiro uh, Adam relationship, but he was super respectful and very articulate. And we, and uh, most importantly, you know, just like we've been saying, uh, every everybody who's been commenting has been adhering to our rule and being just absolutely awesome. I just want to say thank you to everybody for being cool. Now we take really that wisdom you. and coolness and apply it to the internet at large. Yeah. Go spread the message. And Yummy Bliss, we love you. Thank yeah. you so much. And also, if you leave a review in an iTunes store that is not the American iTunes store, we have a little bit of trouble finding those. So screen cap it, throw it in the hashtag, you will get a shout out like a wild Katie appeared, who wrote, I love this podcast and left us this wonderful little review. And I... Yeah, I wish I could stay up to watch it when it's live, but it's on at 3 a.m. and my sleep schedule is bad enough as it is. But it's great to watch while I'm having breakfast and washing the dishes. You are wonderful. And that is what podcasts are for, to get you through the quiet moments in life. So thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you for doing the thing. Be sure to leave those reviews. And we have a hot second to get through what is an incredibly packed episode. Yes, these these episodes are super dense, but, you know, we're doing our best. We are. We have... Golly, let me get to my notes. We have Shiro's new arm. Yes! <laughs> I just, Allura gives and gives and gives so much this season, and I just keep wanting to sit here and go, thank you so much. Without you, the world would not run. Because yeah. we have the new arm, and then it turns out that Earth power supplies are continually inferior, so she takes the, the little, the one last little crystal out of her tiara and puts it in, out of her circlet, rather, and puts it in the arm to make it work. And I just now realize that bit with Shiro of, I feel strange, I feel great. Like, you have a Balmerian crystal hooked to your brain. <laughs> one that an Altean has been wearing for 10,000 years. There's going to be some residual. <laughs> you just something. got a power boost. There's, there's going to be something going on there. And that's, you know, one of those little pieces that'll factor in later that I did not pick up on first watch because I was too busy going, oh, God, they just fried Shiro again. The, so. This whole sequence, very, very tense. Um, and I, yeah, again, Alora just, she absolutely, she's given everything to this team because she has basically nothing left. The castle is gone. Her family crest is gone. Um, her planet is gone. Her parents are gone. Every, everything, she's given everything to this team and she continues to do so and you know we'll we'll touch on it when we get to the information bit later but she's also putting herself through a lot of emotional distress trying to get the necessary information interrogating um, sendax exactly, memories exactly like what do you do when a planet resists anyway well uh we murder everyone but we've only done that once with Altea. yep nope 
I'm going to take you a have break. An, <laughs> you have an hour and some change of the most difficult interview you've ever had to do in your life. And it ends with, by the way, the genocide of your people. So, yeah. Huh, yeah. Cannot blame her. No. But she's... But- she, like Coran, is one of our MVPs absolutely. this season. Just absolutely incredible. I, I did love watching this recon mission, how they split things up. Cosmo working into things. Cosmo <laughs> is the best. Oh, he's such a good boy. And just this incredibly well-executed multi-part mission to figure out what the heck is going on in there. And surprise, surprise, they are Zyforge cannons. Yeah, which are not good if memory serves. (laughs) Planet killers is what Keith called them. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're building our nice little Death Star made of materials of the planet that we plan on murdering. There's a problem here. (laughs) Yup. And we wind up with a huge six-part plan of call the lions down, send the MFEs to the sixth base, we are going to wipe all of these cannons out before they even get the chance to launch, and then you can form Voltron and wipe out the fleet. Like, this is it. We are putting everything into this final attack. Let's go. And we have this will-they-won't-they drama with Red. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just say that, like, Again, we we touched on this at the beginning of the episode, but yeah, there were there were a couple moments here where I'm like, I'm like, knowing how television works, I'm like, the lion will come for sure. the The lion will will show up. Uh, she'll she'll save the day and everything like that. But then like, I'm also sitting here going and like, but what if she doesn't? What if she doesn't, Katie? And I wonder if part of this is Lance having trouble focusing, like even before they wind up getting attacked having trouble focusing because one, that conversation with Alora, and two, he's expressed that he doesn't like Veronica being in the battlefield and her being the person to bring him in. Can you blame him for worrying about her? Yeah, exactly. Like she is every bit as competent as he is, and we get a beautiful show of competence from him at the beginning of episode nine. Oh with yeah. those it's sniper perfect. shots. Just I think I wrote down Lance is a beast. But <laughs> <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> but yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if he was having some trouble concentrating given everything that was happening at the moment. Yeah. But Red likes to be impressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, sure, I'll show up. Just uh, impress me. Oh, he did. All right, I'm coming. I'm going to make a grand entrance. <laughs> I'm going to be fashionably late. Pretty much. Uh, dramatically late. That sounds you, a lot you just like a have cat. To- You just have to do the full-on throw the doors open. Yes, it's me. I am here. (laughs) Okay. Thank God. We can save the planet now. I'm ready. (laughs) I'm definitely wondering where Veronica is in all this. Like, Lance gets in red. Where'd she go? She just just there? She's just kind of on the planet? Like, I'm pretty sure the next episode answers it, but I cannot for the life of me remember how that turned out. I'm going to go off on a limb and assume that Cosmo teleported to the Red Lion and then teleported her. Yeah, Cosmo is an intelligent wolf. I am sure that he just cleaned up after everything. (laughs) And we put this plan in motion, and it immediately goes to hell. Yup. Because there's uh, no... There's... The saying that no battle plan survives first contact with the enemy, and we've seen that time and time again to be true. But this is to a horrifying extent. And there's a reason for that. Yeah, just the, it's like he knew we were coming. Cut to Sonda on the bridge of Sendak's ship. Like, mm. we mentioned 
Transformers Prime earlier. Can I just say how heartbreaking it is to hear RC deliver lines where she's betraying Earth? Oh, my heart. Like, watching this, the first time around, I was like, I take back every nice thing I said about you because... I, I really admired how um, how they were portraying her as a, not an evil character. and But, like, upon this reveal, I'm like, I take back everything I said, but I have to take that back because at the end of the day, I'm like, no, this is exactly what she would do. This is exactly what... And we have to keep in mind, too, she has never seen the lions in person. And they're putting everything on this plan that... If you're a rational, grown adult, sounds crazy. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine hearing a soldier that you know happens to have PTSD go, yes, just call the lions and they shall appear. (laughs) (laughs) You've been training for this since the very beginning. I'd probably look at him and go, he's insane. Did the new hand fry his brain? Like, I know he was flatlining for a bit there. Is he, uh, does he have brain damage? Is he all right? And who knows, he might. But yeah, they, we, he's definitely got PTSD. They didn't come in on their lions. They came in on a little tiny ship that was destroyed upon impact. And yeah, by all rational accounts, they would have no way of being able to call their lions. And even if they do, there's no guarantee that they're actually going to be able to succeed in this assault. Yeah. So she hedged her bets. And did what she believed to be the best course of action for humanity as a whole. She did the wrong thing for the right reasons. Exactly. I have to question this in chat. Kaylee Duggar says, I paused the TV and did a shot of pure vanilla extract. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you do that to yourself? It was the only thing I had on hand to shoot. (laughs) There was no alcohol. (laughs) I'm underage. It's all I got. Please go in the hashtag and explain that one to me because the chat disappears after the episode airs, but the hashtag does not. And I need to know the story behind that because that sounds like that's a story. (laughs) It also sounds like it's one of the worst decisions you can possibly make involving vanilla extract. It does not taste like vanilla. (laughs) Yeah. I I had to share that. Thank you for that. As, uh, as Again, as difficult as it is to watch this character do this, at the same time, I'm like, I completely get it, and I'm enthralled, because obviously we know this isn't going to shake out well. But For anyone, but she put all of her hopes in military diplomacy, and if we give him what he wants, well, he'll go away. And I'm like, I know you had World War Three, but did we forget World War Two? <laughs> That doesn't work. And you have all these people coming in and saying, you can't negotiate with him. It doesn't work. And these are the same people that were able to pull up a digital version of him and interrogate that digital version. Like, you could have gone down and talked to Memory Sendak and been like, so what would you do if we gave the lions to you? Ah, murder all of you anyway. Fair point. Fair point. Like, you have a digital version of the man. You can ask but and so it's frustrating that despite all of that she didn't believe them understandable because it sounds like a lot of hocus pocus but frustrating yeah it's frustrating from from our point of view because we've been with our boys and girls for so long but again i i i keep falling back on like everybody makes a point of saying you have a point you're not she's not 
off her rocker, you know, for, for thinking the way that she does. Uh, and even when Alora is like chiming in and she's like, hey, why don't, you know, by saying, hey, I'm putting my foot down. No, we are not giving Sendak the lions. Uh, and having her go, like, how about you leave matters of Earth to the people who actually live here? Like, that's- like uh, technically the lions are hers. That's, That's a, her inheritance, my but friend. But it's also a valid perspective. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, you don't even, she doesn't even go here. <laughs> she does now. <laughs> Transfer students are a thing. And again, because she doesn't know Alora, she doesn't know how much she's given to this cause. Yeah. And, uh, and it's hard to think about the rest of the universe when you have an army knocking on your door. So it's, it's again, it. It's not. She didn't make the right decision, but you can completely understand where she why came she from. Made and it, I yeah. love. This is why I love her as a character, even though I'm like, ah, oh, no, how could you? But at the same time, I'm like, yes, this is so well done. Again, everyone has three dimensions. No one is wasted. And I know we made this point last week, but like normally, this type of character is reserved for men. It's, yeah, it's nice to see a woman in the same in the same sort of character role because it 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 makes women see you know a lot of times shows it normalizes will swing. women in exactly power. exactly a lot of times shows swing in one of two directions by either putting women up on a pedestal and making them the strong female character or by like you know um making them the damsel in distress you know going they, it likes to swing this one is like no women can be flawed people have, I like that. We have so many different women and we have so many different people of color. It's just like, Ugh. They're wonderful. I'm, I'm making like happy Kermit flaley hands for those of you listening Shout on iTunes. Shout out to our iTunes listeners. Shout out to our iTunes Sorry, listeners. Sorry, I didn't mean to go off on that no, for so long. No, that's great. <laughs> and James Ferran in chat says, also you can't negotiate with zealots. Sendak is an absolute believer in the Galra Credo. And one of the things I wrote down when they were just starting to interview him his first answer was, you know, I'm a proud part of the Galra Empire. And his second, like, where are you from? He says, I'm proud to say I was born with unquestionable Galra lineage. Ugh. Ta- oh, that is uncomfortable. Talking- and says a lot about him. Yeah, it says a lot about um, probably how the generals were treated, too. Oh, uh, yeah. By generals, I mean Lotors generals. Lotors generals. Um, but yeah, it, talking about those World War II parallels, it's like, mm, that sounds about right. <laughs> Just super uncomfortable but also like yeah yeah no i can i can see this This, uh (laughs) (laughs) adjust collar uncomfortably yeah adjusts collar uncomfortably is a lot of what sendak says and you get to what sendak does and you just want to flip some tables but yeah we we end this episode with a lovely cliffhanger of voltron taking a full-on shot from six zyforge cannons and coming out of it intact, I mean, like, the lions are still intact. They didn't get vaporized, which tells you how ridiculously hardy Voltron is, because anything else would have been completely wrecked. This is when I say thank you to Netflix for allowing me to just watch the next episode, as opposed to having to wait a week. <laughs> that would have been torture. Again, to those of you who stopped on this cliffhanger, hats off to y'all. My God. But, yeah, I think that just about does it, right? <laughs> I think so it good. does just about do it. We're all just kind of crying over this cliffhanger and going, next episode, next episode, next episode, which will be super fun. Once again, we are out of time for spoiler talk because we spent most of our time on emotions talk, which I think was time well spent. I think so, too. So, yeah, for uh, leave those iTunes reviews. Uh, leave those comments in the hashtag. We do check them during the week. And, Megan, where can the people find you? You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the TheManguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. 
And you can follow Emma at Emma5. You can follow Alexis at ATORS890. You can follow Mark at Mark Bidonica. And I am Katie Cullen. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaje. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. I am also on a podcast called On The Point Podcast for All Things Overwatch with a heavy focus on Overwatch League. That is currently on my YouTube channel. We're working on an iTunes feed. That'll be a thing. She does a, a lost <laughs> podcast. I yeah, can't believe you didn't mention it. You guys can just follow me on Twitter. You'll keep up to date with everything I'm doing. Absolutely. Do all those things. Talk on the hashtag. It's a good time. Thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you next time. Bye. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Fire Forge Cannons! The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.